This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's UnderdogFantasy.com or Underdog Fantasy in the App Store. Sign up with promo code PITCHERLIST and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. In Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. How's it going and welcome to episode 131 of On The Wire, proud member of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. Follow the pod on the Twitter at On The Wire Pod. You can follow me at 80 Grid, that's all spelled out. And you can follow Kevin Hastings at Hastings Kevin. Unfortunately, Kevin gets the week off this week. He should be back with us next week. And in his stead, I'm happy and welcome to the pod, Justin Havelock. Justin should be followed on the Twitter himself at Havelock Justin. And he's a, he is a centerpiece of the PitcherList community as an active member and moderator within the P- PL Discord, as well as being the creator of The Outpitch and co-host of The Outpitch podcast. We'll talk about the latter a little bit later off in the show. But until we get to all of that, Justin, I'm just happy you're here. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me, man. How you doing? Well, thanks for having me. I'm uh, doing great. It's great to be here and excited to talk about some baseball today. Yeah, there's not a lot more time to talk about. We could talk about baseball all year round. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but like active games going on in front of our face that matter for fantasy purposes. We've only got, what, three weeks left? This is this is uncharted territory This in the season, obviously. It hasn't happened yet. So I'm getting a little, get a little antsy. I don't know about I don't know how many leagues you're in or where you what kind of leagues you're in. I know I got kicked out of my PL staff league. I was the first man out of the playoff window. So I was fighting for that last playoff spot. Started off hot in the season. I was in like in the top three for most of the first half of the season, but started to drop off toward the end. Didn't make it there. I did I am in a dogfight in my my home head to head dynasty league. And I'm that's gonna come down to the wire this first round. And then I've got a handful of I've got a handful of leagues on my NFBC side where I'm looking to be top three, looking to cash. So fighting for those as well. How, how are you looking going into the last couple of weeks of the season? Oh, I'm actually out of the playoffs in uh, all of my leagues already. I was in a really good spot to start the year, actually. And then over the summer, things just got really busy in my personal life. And sure. all those leagues started just spiraling down the standings. Not much to do with the playoffs right now, but it's fun to watch and help people out in the Discord. Yeah, it's, it's interesting depending on what kind of style you're leaking. Even when you're out of the playoffs, if you're in like a keeper league or a dynasty league and you're still and your rules of your league still allow you to make moves, it's still 
it's almost like more interesting to be in that situation where you're like, you can play spoiler or you can pick up a guy that you like, that might've been streamed by one of the playoff player, but you're like, Hey, you know what? I could probably keep that guy anyway. And it just screws up everything. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I picked up Cole Raggins a couple of weeks ago in my dynasty league when everyone started getting hyped and now all the playoff teams are just so mad about it. Because they can't stream him. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. They would have loved to have him, but he's on my non-playoff team. Yeah, absolutely. And that's because, that's probably because of all the discourse that we had in the PL Discord server. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> and the train that obviously he's driving. <laughs> yeah. Next morning streams had me hyped on Cole Raggins from like day one. And I'm like, okay, Nick likes this guy. Let's pick him up. Just see what he can do. And worst case scenario, I drop him in a couple of weeks and it's on right. to the next guy and no dropping Cole Reagans now. Nope. <laughs> yeah, I got my Reagans AGA shirt in the mail yesterday. So I will be proudly wearing that tomorrow during his, or Sunday today as everybody's listening. Oh, yeah. mine right now. Oh, there it is. You got it too. Yep. <laughs> Just got mine yesterday too. Nice, nice. Yeah, so I yeah, will be proudly throwing that out there on Sunday and then every other start thereafter. He might be sitting on your dynasty bench as you're looking into the playoffs, but he will be driving the train if I am successful this this postseason in my dynasty league. So that that would be fun. But yeah, like I mentioned, we jumped on that train thanks to the discourse that we had in the PL Discord through PL Plus, PL Pro, however you sign up for that. And you're 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 right in the center of everything. I play a more of a fly on the wall role on the Discord. I, I do a lot more listening and watching than I do uh, writing um, in the Discord. Every once in a while, I'll throw out like a little blurb, a little insight or a piece or whatever. And I spend a lot more time in like the extra channels that we have, like in the movie and the TV sections and all that. Yeah. Um, but you're like in the thick of it. What's, what is the most active part of the Discord at this time, do you think? Oh, gosh. I think this time of year, it's still the baseball general. That mm-hmm. seems to be the one that blows up my phone the most right now. Um, football general starting to pick up with football season around the corner too, though. Everyone's just either you're looking at baseball playoffs, whether it's your team or fantasy, or you're looking at like the start of football because either your team or your fantasy are out of the playoffs. This is a topic we don't typically bring up here on this podcast or any other podcast. And that is the F word, the <laughs> football being the word of choice. My apologies. But yeah, it is actually interesting that you bring that up. It's something that we don't talk about enough or at all is that the uh, if you're in PL Plus or PL Pro, you get in the Discord, but that includes the QB list stuff too. And it's something that uh, as somebody personally who literally is only in one fantasy football league, and, I, and that has been the case for the last few years, that I don't pay nearly enough attention to. And sorry, Dave, if you're listening to that, our commissioner. <laughs> it is nice to know that is in my back pocket for it's like on Sundays they're doing... They're going to be doing the live chats there where, hey, help you set your lineups, you do last minute waiver claims, stuff like that. And it's nice to know that it's there, that I can rely on, that it's just like part of the community built in. It's like a bonus perk, if you will, as well. One more plug for PL Plus. Go <laughs> If you haven't joined in on that and get that, if for no other reason, get the yearly subscription and you get all the football stuff as well. But that's something that, that's something we don't talk about enough here. And I don't know if I want to say we wouldn't talk about it enough, but we don't talk about it at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a great time, especially just like on, on game days, on Sundays. It's always great just 
hanging out in the football general. Everyone's watching the game, having a good time. Everyone's watching 10 different games, so you don't even need to have Red Zone. You just have the Discord open and you get every game covered. I like it. I like it. Yeah, that that even in the baseball general, that happens enough for me where, oh, yeah. especially in the early games, if I forget like an early game is about to start. Actually, this happened to me the other day, which is an almost unfortunate. When Andrew Abbott got blown up in the first inning and I for, had forgotten that his game had actually started, but he was starting for my team. And I just saw somebody type in, oh, Abbott with like <laughs> the burning face. And I'm yeah. like, oh no, I hate that I learned about this here, but I am also very grateful that i learned about it at all <laughs> so quickly yeah it's where actually it's where i get all my news and notes so i'm gonna force that segue here to say let's get into get back into baseball here talking about the news and notes from the week and as i always say the news and notes that we talk about on the show typically are focused on things that may impact your fab consideration so a whole bunch of stuff happened that we're not going to talk about you listen to First Pitch Podcast every day and find out everything that's happened on the daily basis. Here, we're just talking about things that probably are going to impact how you're considering spending your fab dollars. So, Justin, let's get right into it here. We got a couple of call-ups we're going to lead here with. First and foremost, a lot of analysts out there considered him, or at least in the top three, if not the top one overall prospect. I know our very own Heckming said that he's very strongly of the opinion that Jordan Lawler is the number one prospect in baseball. He was called up by Arizona actually a little bit later than in in my opinion that I think a lot of us, me, Kevin and I at least, and other people that have been on the show in the last couple of weeks have thought that he would have been a guy that, like Corbin Carroll was last year, getting called up right at that 40-day mark, that day where it's like there was no chance he was going to be on the roster for more than 40 days, lose the rookie eligibility. But you know what? Better late than never. He's up in Arizona now. Nick Ahmed, who's been a staple for the Diamondbacks on that roster for many years, he was DFA'd to make room in the corresponding move. Are you of the excited ilk here about Lawler and what he can do in the final few weeks of the Major League season in our fantasy season? Like I said, like dynasty manager Matt Heckman appears to be as well. Oh, absolutely. I not only have a couple shares of Jordan Lawler myself, but... Just as an avid reader, and honestly, like a lot of the times, the editor of Matt Heckman's stash list, I'm right there with Matt, just ready to see him graduated off that list tomorrow or today, actually, I guess by the time you're listening to this, he will be off the stash list and he's up in the majors. He has his first career stolen base as of today, actually, I saw earlier right before we recorded. Yeah, Matt has rules like you can't be in the majors at all to be on his stash list anymore, right? I think that's his yeah. rule. He'll obviously, he'll keep prospect eligibility on like your typical prospect list. He'll keep rookie eligibility. He won't be, he won't get enough service time. He won't get enough at bats. He won't get enough games at the major league level this year to lose it again. And that's by design, obviously, because you we're, we're I'm of the assumption that Corbin Carroll is going to run away with NL rookie of the year this year. And that's exactly what Arizona was hoping for. They will yeah. get that bonus, that bonus draft pick when he wins that award. And they're hoping for the same thing with Jordan Lawler. If he has rookie eligibility going into 2024, he'll be on the opening day roster. They will gladly take another draft compensation draft pick if he wins nl rookie of the year next year but that is definitely by design we're going to see that at least through this cba as long as they don't change anything in the next cba it'll continue to be a trend that we that we see moving forward 
Lawler, yeah, definitely seems to be the guy, in my opinion, that if you've got the monies on your fab list you're and you need a bat, simple as that, you don't have much more ways to spend your money the rest of this year, especially in your weekly fab leagues. Go ahead and spend it all here. We got another call up in Texas, though, Justin, worth talking about for sure. Evan Carter was called up to the Rangers in the corresponding move on the unfortunate side of things is because Adolis Garcia went to the IL with a patellar tendon strain. Again, it seems to be a one-for-one swap with the Rangers outfield. Are you expecting to see Carter in the outfield every day and producing enough to fill Garcia's shoes while he's out in this short period of time as the Rangers are still fighting for not Mm -hmm. only a playoff spot, but for their division. Yeah, I, I do think that Carter will get a chance at an everyday role. I was looking at it before the podcast, and I actually think they're both quite similar players. From Texas's perspective, it's really just like they're giving up a little bit of power in Garcia for a slightly better hit tool with Evan Carter. Evan Carter's plate discipline should be better too, so I think that's not only a good move for Texas, but I just to me makes him an instant must roster in any OBP league. Yeah, Carter started his first game on Friday against a righty batting ninth in right field. He did not start today as we're recording this on Saturday. Of course, they're going up against the lefty. So, I, of course, at very first glance in the smallest of sample sizes, of course, you've got to worry about any kind of platoon issue that Texas might be doing this with the rookie and wondering what kind of playing time we'll see out of that situation. Garcia obviously was an everyday player getting a day off here or there, but not a platoon situation for sure. It does look like Carter is going to be playing, obviously going to be playing right field as Garcia is out. The question would remain personally, not about what production he will produce while he's on the field is how often will he be on the field? And I guess just on this short sample, you got to be a little worried about that regarding how much time Robbie Grossman is going to fill in because he started in right field today on Saturday, how much time they might Obviously, Mitch Garver is hot and he's going to be holding down the four at the DH position for them. And so there's not as much flexibility there unless they want to just give him a random day off as well. So something to monitor. Obviously, most of my money in this situation is going toward Lawler. I'm not going to be opposed to bringing in Carter, especially if I need an outfield specific situation on a team. But I am worried about how much time the Rangers are going or how much consistent time the Rangers are going to throw him out there. All right. We're going to talk about more than one of the Luis Garcia's on this program, this episode, but we'll start off with the one in the nationals organization. The Luis Garcia in Washington is expected to be back with the nationals playing. I would assume second base here again. Are you hoping or expecting the nationals to provide him with any kind of room to play in hopefully produce down the stretch because it seemed like they were really tugging him around. And obviously with the demotion earlier on this summer, are you hoping that they're just going to be like, you know what? There's only three weeks left. Let's just go for it. Let's see what you got. Yeah. I think truthfully, the nationals really don't have much else on the roster. Like that's what I said when they demoted him though. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I do think it'll be second base, like you mentioned, because CJ Abrams seems to have shortstop pretty locked down at this point. But yeah, they've got what are you, 
Yadarma Vargas and Jake Alou as his only competition at second base. I, I think Luis Garcia is never somebody who's really caught my eye for fantasy purposes, but I think a lot of times we can fall into that trap of forgetting that these are still really good real-life players. And the Washington Nationals really don't care what's good for our fantasy rosters at the end of the day. I don't think they care about a lot of things. <laughs> oh, we that's won't another get story. <laughs> in, yeah, we won't get into the Strasburg fiasco that's been going on. That doesn't really affect yeah. our fab here. But the Nationals are, and I, I joked about this in the Discord, but it seems like there's more. My son had a his very first T-ball game earlier this morning. And that, he's three years old. That went as well or as unwell as you would probably have expected. It was pure and utter chaos. And I went into that with absolutely no expectations. And I so I likened that situation to what's happening with the Nationals right now. And I think they're pretty much a one-for-one one swap. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> it was three-on-three three baseball. I'm just getting like <laughs> only three kids from each team showed up. For opening day, I if that happened with the Nationals, I wouldn't have been I wouldn't be surprised. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people were surprised at the deadline that they didn't make more moves. I think if the Nationals had some players hitting off of a tee, they probably could have sold more at the deadline. There you go. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. That's all you needed. Yeah, Garcia came back and he uh, yeah he started at second base on Friday and Saturday. hasn't hadn't hasn't recorded a hit yet. I don't think he has a hit today. I haven't actually looked, but. Went 0 for 3 on Friday. Obviously, hadn't played a game in Washington since the beginning of August after he was demoted. So his last hit at the major league level came on July 29th. So we'll see if he can you know, re- rekindle the what was supposed to be a kind of promising uh, situation uh, for the young middle infielder uh, turned strictly second baseman. In yeah. Washington. All right. We, yeah, we're going to end here with some news out of San Diego. Um, they are just literally breaking any limb that they can possibly get their hands on here, which is <laughs> unfortunate. <laughs> in San Diego, catcher Gary Sanchez, he fractured his wrist, and first baseman Jimmy and Choi also <laughs> fractured his ankle. Obviously, Choi was already on the IL um, as well. Uh, those guys aren't coming back, <laughs> not this season. They're, do either one of their absence or in choice, like the, the solidification of his absence, provide any extra playing time for anyone else and then creating any interest, interesting situations across the San Diego lineup from what you can see so far? Yeah, I, going by roster resource, Luis Camposano seems to be the starting catcher right now for the Padres. And I think you could legitimately make the case for a post-hype sleeper. Where it's like, I know every time you bring up that term, people start cringing and I'll, Luis Camposano, this again, I've been there before. But while it's a small sample size, Camposano's been hitting the ball really well this season. He's got five homers, a 302 average, and a 124 WRC plus. Especially at the catcher position, that'll do in fantasy. Look, it's a small sample. He could easily cr- come back down to earth. We've seen this before with guys like Lewis Brinson or Keon Broxton that are post-tight sleepers too. But when it's a catcher, I'm a little bit more inclined to take the risk. And like we were talking about with Reagans, sometimes you just have to jump on board the hype train and see what you've got. And then if it doesn't work out, you just move on to the next guy. Yeah, they they called up Brett Sullivan a little while ago. He has not started a game. 
since being called up at the beginning of September. So he is on the roster, can make the playoff roster if, if necessary. But it definitely, that this was, he was called up before Sanchez got hurt. And in that time frame, Camposano and Sanchez had pretty much been a 50 50 split prior to prior to September turning in the calendar. Sanchez was getting it was more of a 60 40 or 70 30 split with Sanchez getting more of the bulk. And so I would definitely tend to agree that it's a pretty obvious statement to make that Camposano is going to get a good chunk of playing time pending that he can stay healthy himself yeah. hasn't always been able to do that himself as well but in this very short sample size that we are worried about aka the next three weeks it is definitely a risk that i'd be willing to take with the pedigree that capisano has shown in the past and has come up with yeah i, I definitely agree with you as i mentioned jimin Choi had been out already on the il he obviously will not be coming back due to this additional injury but the fact that he's not coming back sure up anything that for the Padres lineup that you can tell? I don't personally think so. You've got like Jerickson Profar, Garrett Cooper, and Matt Carpenter forming this sort of platoon coming off the bench at first base. And I, I think it just personally siphons any value off of any of that anything that those players could bring to the table at this point, where you know, even if one of them does go on a hot streak, if they're playing three days a week, it's not going to be much of a streak, really. Yeah, I think that when Jimin Choi came over from Pittsburgh and Cooper came over from Miami at the deadline, it was pretty obvious that this was going to be a one-in-one platoon. But obviously, with Jimin Choi going on the IL in the mid-August, just like about a week after he got traded... <laughs> Carpenter kind of moved into that situation with Cooper getting the bulk of almost everyday playing time for a time there. But in the last two weeks, it's been a pretty much a 50-50 split there with Carpenter. God bless him getting as much playing time as the Padres will possibly give him in that situation. I think that pretty much sums up not a, not a ton of news, at least not fab related. Maybe we'll get into some things that we missed off when we get into our player recommendations. But for now, we're going to move on to our focus topic here and we are going to do that after this quick break when it comes to weight management we tend to put our focus on what we eat but noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat and that's a game changer noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow 
and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we are back. Of course, you were still listening to On The Wire. I am Adam Howe, joined this week by Justin Havlock. Justin is the creator and co-host of the OutPitch podcast, part of the OutPitch I don't know, site, it's a substack. I, I never know how to refer to a substack. It's like, should I just say it's a site or should I say it's a substack, a newsletter? However, how do you expect, how do you reference it? Yeah, I personally just call it a blog, but anything okay. works. It, it does get a little tricky when I'm trying to explain it to people, especially I was trying to explain it to my grandparents once. And I'm like, it's just a website, but they don't need to know all the behind the scenes side of it. Link. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me about the outpitch, what you have going on, why it exists and, or why you wanted it to exist and what you've got coming up with the, down the pipeline. Yeah. As you mentioned, the outpitch, it's a blog I created on Substack during the pandemic actually. And for me, just as an openly gay man in the sports industry, it was really important for me to have this place where I could feel unfiltered when I'm sharing my thoughts on the game and write some articles that you don't always see in the baseball world, talking about some of the big problems within the sports world and tapping into some of my own personal experiences and sometimes just being able to show a bit of vulnerability that sometimes we don't have the opportunity to put into an article. So sometimes the outpitch you're going to see just your usual run-of-the-mill fantasy content. I've done things where I'm ranking fantasy quarterbacks while eating the world's hottest pepper. But sometimes it's also writing about some of the social issues going on. Like I mentioned, I did one not that long ago about the problem that Tom Brenneman still poses even today. Definitely worth a look at that. Right now, what I'm working on, I've got an article coming out uh, later this month that's going to look at the trend of Athletes putting up career-high numbers after coming out of their closet. We got a great example just in baseball this year with Anderson Comas coming out within the Chicago White Sox minor league organization, and he has just been absolutely on fire. I was talking to a friend just a couple of weeks ago about I would never pick up a relief pitcher in Dynasty, and he was like, didn't you just do that the other day? I'm like, oh, Anderson Comas. I'm like, that's a little bit different, but <laughs> there, there is a little bit of upside there. I wanted to scoop him in my dynasty league before other people start getting hyped on what he's been doing. And so yeah, I've just been working on this article, looking not only across baseball, but across all kinds of sports as to what athletes do, because a lot of athletes tend to do really well, contrary to some of the narratives out there once they've come out of the closet and feel more free and relaxed and able to be themselves. And I, I would venture to guess, and I, this is an absolute guess, obviously, because I am not in these locker rooms. I am not around these <laughs> players, but I would venture to guess that it, that kind of production or that kind of spike in production, and you'll probably come across this as you're re doing more research on this, has, would have to do a lot with the environment in which they're in which where they came out toward whether it's their teammates, whether it's the organization that they're in, the support that they either receive or 
unfortunately may not receive depending on what the people around them, how much support they have of just people around them in general. And, and just, and you all on the flip side of that, you've got to I, I assume that there are players out there that are not coming out for that exact reason. And I don't know if you've come across that already as you're, as you've been doing research for these, for this or the series of articles that you're putting together, but would you, I mean, would that be a, a fair assumption at this point? Oh, absolutely. I know it's something that Nick talks about all the time when he's talking about pitchers, that pitching is such a mental game, right? That mm. There's so much psychologically that goes on in a pitcher's mind. And if he's not focused, if there's something going on personally, I know there's been speculation in Toronto about Alec Manoa this year, that he's talked about having some struggles with his mental health. And there's been some speculation as to how that's affected his performance. So it's definitely very similar here that a lot of players that have to keep that inside can absolutely have a lot of those struggles where we're waiting for that breakout year and it doesn't seem to happen because they're struggling with something that we don't know about at all. And then they come out of their closet and the ones that do just tend to just be living their best life and having a blast and it translates into some really good production. Yeah. Again, if, you've got the support around you, then you feel comfortable doing that in where you are. It's not so surprising. It's not surprising that if you feel comfortable enough to come out and around your teammates and what have you, that you would then go and do positive things on the field as well, whether it's by the stat book or by scouting or what have you. So that's a, that's not a terribly surprising thing to hear. And so I would expect to read more of that in, in the articles over on the out pitch as well. Yeah, it's a... You touched on it with the whole mental game we talked about. We've seen Trevor May go through his struggles early on in the season. He came right out and talked about that. Austin Meadows is still on the IL. Hopefully he's continuing to get whatever help he needs to get back out there. If that's even what he wants to do at this point, this is not mental health related, but like we saw somebody like Buster Posey retire early just because he wanted to like that's okay too and so you've seen somebody like trevor may though come back and now excel granted it's on the a's and unfortunately for him but they do provide him with a situation which and where he can excel that he might not get on a you know a winning bowl club so it again with the right support and with the great people around you you can get back to a place where you can start producing both you know professionally because that's what they're being paid to do and and mentally as well it's great what about the out pitch podcast is that something that you're the co-host of it from what i can tell do you currently do you bring in do you bring in guest people or do you have a set of co-hosts of your own there and regularly just talking about the things that you guys are producing on on the blog or is it more just freeform yeah yeah so that's a podcast that i host with crystal o'keefe from pitcher list and the two of us, we have a blast hosting this. We've been off for a little while over the summer. We've both had busy schedules with our personal lives, but we'll be back at some point later this month. And yeah, it's something that we, I always like to say, we flip the script from your traditional podcast that usually people start with what's going on in the world and then segue into the fantasy stuff. And we reverse that a little bit, starting with some of the fantasy stuff, some of the major headlines going on in the game. And then we transitioned into some, I guess, serious is maybe the right word, but not necessarily always very dark. We could still keep a very lighthearted tone 
talking about social issues, talking about things that happened during Pride Month. We've talked about some of the mental health issues, like you were mentioning with you know, Trevor May or Austin Meadows or Dansby Swanson. We've even talked about MLB blackouts and how that's affecting the game and how that's affecting fans. We really covered a wide spectrum of subjects and just try and open up the conversation a bit more. Yeah, sorry, I gave a giant eye roll when you said MLB blackouts, and I didn't. That was not directed at you. Obviously, it was directed at the topic of blackouts in general, especially when you're in a situation. I know everybody. I know the people in the state of Iowa get it the worst for some reason, but I'm close second. And I live in Indiana. I live in Indianapolis where we don't have a major league team, but I still get blacked out of three different teams, both Chicago-based teams in Cincinnati. I'm in that bubble, and it just, yeah. I couldn't watch the cool Reagan start, okay? last oh. His last start, he faced off against the White Sox, and I could not watch it with Nick on playback.tv because it was blacked out in my area. And I'm just like... I've ranted enough about that. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. <laughs> Definitely a good reason to rant with how he's been playing lately. <laughs> right. Yeah. If if you guys aren't already, make sure you are following Justin on the Twitter. Are, have you jumped ship on, on Twitter as well, Justin? Are you anywhere else besides Twitter? Or are you still just seeing where this train wreck goes? Yeah, I'm still on Twitter at the moment. I've never been a big social media guy, so Twitter and Discord is all I have, but I have not jumped ship yet. I'll probably be one of the last to leave once we know where everyone's going officially, but definitely keep an eye out there. If I do jump ship, I'll definitely make a couple of announcements before then so people know where to follow me next. That's fair, yeah. It's at Havelock Justin, and of course, on the on the PL Discord, you can't miss him. He's out there all the time as well, so get his yeah. take there that's probably the easiest way i always say the same thing about myself even though i said that i don't type a bunch of stuff there i'm always there i'm always paying attention it's easier to tag people there as well and yeah i haven't jumped ship from tw- i did start a thread account threads but like okay. i think i said one thing there and i have and all i get are notifications from at mlb because <laughs> i don't follow and i haven't clicked on follow enough people there either i'm not sure how that's going i should probably log in just to check it out i don't know i don't know if it's worth it but let's get into the crutch of the episode here of course that is we got to spend our the rest of our fab dollars we can't take it with us so we got some players in mind that we want to spend them on and we're going to get into all of those after this second quick break this podcast is sponsored by underdog Want to make money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick the two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's UnderdogFantasy.com or Underdog Fantasy in the App Store. Sign up with promo code PITCHERLIST and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 year older, 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1 800 Next Step. In New York, call 1 877 8 Hope and Y. In Tennessee, call 1 800 889 9789. 
All right, we are back once again. Of course, Adam Howe here joined by Justin Havelock, and we're going to get into some player recommendations in which we have to spend your last remaining fab dollars. Guys that might or may not be available. We got a good mix of players that are available in your 15s, in your 12s, some in your 10s, most of them in your 10s. And we'll go right down the list as we tend to do. Justin, I'm going to let you kick us off here in the power department, home runs, RBIs, what players are out there that that could be available in whatever size leagues, whatever, and why would you be spending what few amount of fab dollars you have left on these guys? Yeah, so if I'm looking for power right now, the first thing I'm doing is I'm checking to see if Spencer Torkelson is still out there because I noticed when prepping for this podcast, he's still only 61% rostered in Yahoo leagues, which with the way he's been playing lately is absurd to me. At least double check. Last thing you want to see is that one of your league mates grabbed him because he was still out there and you forgot to check. But the player that I really wanted to get into here is Nelson Velasquez, the outfielder for Kansas City. He's only 15% rostered in Yahoo leagues. But since his Royals debut on August 10th, Velasquez has nine home runs, 17 RBI, and 148 WRC plus and 84 plate appearances. He probably went unnoticed to a lot of people when he was traded at the deadline because he was traded for Jose Quas, and that wasn't a big trade that was really on anyone's radar. But Velasquez, like I said, he's been hitting for some big power lately. He's got a 91.7 mile an hour average exit velocity, 21.4 barrel rate, 46.4% hard hit rate. When I'm looking for power, those are numbers that I like to see. And he's become a regular in the middle of the Royals lineup. He's rotating between DH and the corner outfield spots. So if you're desperate for power, especially in a roto league where you have some room to make up ground in home runs or an RBI even, Velasquez is definitely someone that I'll swing for the fences on. He got picked up, Velasquez that is, in my during the playoffs, in this first week of the playoffs in my home dynasty league, and he was dropped the same day just because of the roster crunch this team had. And so that was just funny to watch because the rules are if you pick up somebody and drop them in the same day. They don't go back on waivers. They just go right back into the free agent pool and anybody can pick them up. This was after he went on his back-to-back home run days. Of course, as you mentioned, all this power that we're seeing out of him, he's had four home runs in the last eight games. That's including today with RBIs and runs scored in each of those, of course, in multi-hit games in three out of those games as well. So the only thing that worries me worries about picking up a guy like this in a situation is just you can't you don't get those stats when you spend money on it it's what moving forward and everything that i've seen and the underlying aspects of it is this is real this is absolutely real as long as the royals continue to put him out there he's going to continue to have these kind of streaks and i'm just hoping that this streak isn't over yet um, hoping that he can continue to put uh, another string of these together in the next couple of weeks. And yeah, as you mentioned, I'm just curious to see where we stand. He is 13% rostered in our on the wire listener leagues. And so he is readily available in those 12 teamers. And so this is somebody I think more so than Torkelson, who is a little bit more rostered as you even mentioned even in yahoo um especially if you need outfielder help um this is a a guy that we're gonna see get picked up quite a bit he's only 66 percent rostered in the main event 
Um, and so as long as KC continues to throw him out there on a regular basis, uh, yeah, he'll be picked up even in these 15 teamers more, especially in these 15 teamers where he's not yeah. already. So a third of the leagues at the highest level can still has a chance to grab him. Somebody I'm going to throw out there, another first baseman, if Torkelson is indeed picked up, that is probably a little bit more readily available just because he's just came back from the IL and that's Nick Prado staying with the Royals here. 28% rostered in the main event. He just returned from the IL. And unlike Velasquez, who may very well be playing every day without any kind of platoon considerations, Prado very well could be put right back into a platoon role at first base, even using Salvador Perez to expel him from time to time. Um, But this week coming up, Kansas City is set to face five right-handed pitch starters versus the White Sox and Houston throughout the course of the week with at least according, if you're looking, wherever you're looking at probable starter grids, I'm using roster resource at the moment. They just think that Framber Valdez will be the only lefty. And that comes next Sunday. So as long as that rotation sticks around, that'll be the only lefty that Kansas City faces off against. Uh, Prado, not the biggest power hitter, but he's put together plenty of streaks of his own. And now that he is back in Kansas City, obviously you don't have Benny Pesquin chipping in, chipping away at that playing time as well at first base. He should be in there, even on the strong side of platoon, can still put together as long as he's actually healthy and they didn't just force him back in there. He should be plenty. He should be out there plenty of times to provide positive value at the first base or corner infield position, depending on where your needs are. And he is readily available in most leagues. All right, let's move on to some speed options here, Justin. I'm going to lead off here just because it's somebody I really, I don't know why I really want to talk about him. It's not somebody I was really considering until he started actually doing stuff. And that we talked about him just because he was a, he did get called up. So like we, I, I honestly think Kevin just threw him into a conversation as a name drop, but it wasn't of any real note. I'm talking about Kyron Paris shortstop for the angels, 21% rostered in the main event. He has one carrying tool and that is stealing bases through his time in double a skip triple a as the angels tend to do. It seems at least as of recent for 49 stolen bases in double a this year before getting the call up to Anaheim. And then while in Anaheim, so you got called up just in time for playoff rosters. Not that it matters with the Angels, obviously. No. <laughs> uh, but on September 1st, he has attempted half of his stolen base opportunities. He has attempted a stolen base. Granted, that he's only had six opportunities in this nine-game span. Um, but he's still taken 50% of those chances. And he's been successful all three times. And with the history he's shown at the minor league level where they're playing by the same rules. He can take advantage of that and he is going to take off and he's going to be successful way more than not. Like I said, only five caught stealings out of 49 attempts at the minor at the, at the double a level. I get it. The catchers aren't as good at that level, but even the pitchers aren't as good at that level for holding runners. So I don't expect him to be like stealing 44 bases the rest of the year, (laughs) but I do expect him to continue to get the green light as long as he can get on base. Now in the short period of time that he's been up, he's got, you know, a a below 20% K rate in double digit walk rate, which he's carried over from his minor league career. So he can get on base. He's not doing it with the stick. He's literally batting 100 going into today's games. And so 
maybe walking every single time is the be- best way to do it because at least he's getting onto first base and the Angels aren't putting anybody else on, on base. So more than likely, there's no runner in front of him. So there's nobody on second base to block him from taking that chance. He is batting ninth. That is the, quote, second leadoff runner. He won't get as many at-bats, but and but you would assume even with the Angels, the top of that lineup would give him, as long as he can get on base, he'll put himself in a situation to score more runs as well. So he does, even with the 100 batting average, he's got a 280 on base percentage, which obviously on the surface isn't that great, but the fact that it is 180 points higher than his batting average is a is good (laughs) that aspect is good that of course goes to his double digit walk rate where he's getting on base in that manner so yeah tyron paris shortstop for the angels 21 percent in the main event readily available in anything lower than that if you're desperate for speed he is playing every single day so the angels are going to continue to give him that look they don't have anybody else at this point they've either thrown them on waivers they're hurt or they've been sent back down to the minors and they're not knocking down the door to take his playing time. So in the final three weeks, Paris should get the opportunities. And if he gets the opportunities, it sure seems like he's going to take advantage of them. I don't know if that's like a situation. You said that you've been knocked out a lot of things, (laughs) a lot of your leagues at this point. So specific categories, especially like a a one hit wonder type of situation, like with Mm -hmm. Paris may not be somebody you're targeting. I don't know that I would be targeting Paris in like a dynasty league per se, but this is a very, I am, I need, you know, four more stolen bases to, to get up one or two more spots in the standings in that category. Paris is almost a no-brainer in that situation. Yeah, also somebody I might be consider throwing at least a keep your honest bid with whatever money I have left just so somebody else who is in that situation in my league can't do it. So even if I have the flexibility in my roster at this point, I might even consider throwing a $1 or $2 bid on him just to throw him on my bench so nobody else gets that opportunity. This seems Paris seems like the most like direct line, the direct route to a stolen base surge down the stretch. I don't know if you feel differently, but I know you got a different guy on here who is one of my favorites. And I felt really bad for trading him away last year in my dynasty league, but I'm glad to see him succeeding. Yeah. I've had, I've got Noel de Marte here. He's stepped right into the everyday third base role since he's made his major league debut with Cincinnati. And he's only 10% rostered in Yahoo leagues right now. He's got 23 stolen bases in each of his past three seasons, including his 24th last night across all three levels, of course. He's got a 28.8 feet per second sprint speed. So it's not necessarily anything to write home about, but this is a guy who's got speed and makes good base running decisions. And that's one of the biggest things I'm looking at when I'm looking at stolen bases, because we see plenty of guys that are fast, but they got caught stealing a ton, like uh, Whit Merrifield comes to mind. You want guys that are going to make good decisions on the bases. You got, you want guys that are going to play every day. And Joey Votto and Jonathan India are both likely to return over the next week uh, from the IL, but Matt McLean is probably done for the season. So I think worst case scenario here, there's at least room for a platoon at third base with Spencer Steer, if not a chance for him to hold on to that everyday third base job. Once Votto and India come back, he's shown above average to elite contact skills and high walk rates his entire career. So like you were saying with Kyron Paris, he's going to get on base and that'll help him make the most out of these opportunities and load up with steals. 
I wouldn't go too hard in the paint for Noel V. Marte because, like I said, it's not necessarily league-breaking speed. But as we always say, availability is the best ability. And with Marte, you're not only getting availability, but you're getting consistency, which, in my opinion, is the second best ability, is not just these guys that will go on those big streaks like we were talking about with Nelson Velasquez, but a guy that will just constantly chip in two to three steals every single week, as long as he's got an everyday role. Yeah. Marte, since being called up to the majors, a very solid 22% or 22.22 spot rating going towards second base, which is to say that he has taken more than one out of five chances that he's been given, which is above the major league baseball average. Granted, very small time frame yeah. that we're talking about, slightly larger than Kyron Paris, <laughs> but not by much. But yet the fact that he's shown that kind of he's shown the running ability in the minors and it's translated into a ballpark that is not known for guys running a lot, but obviously for other aspects of the game, uh, which Marte can still take advantage of as well. Okay. Uh, but if we're focusing here on the speed, Marte still 80% rostered in online championships. So there are a fifth of those leagues that still have him out on the wire in those 12 teamers on the NFBC platform. So not, not as readily available there, as you mentioned, 10% on, on Yahoo rostered. So not one out of one out of 10 leagues have him on a roster, but still check as Justin mentioned earlier, if you're going to, if you're going to do this, you do it right. Make sure you just do the control F, do the search box, make sure that they're actually not there because if they're there, you're going to want to put them up there on your waterfall bits. Anybody else in this, in this, in this category that you might be targeting if they're available? I guess the only other guy I'd bring up would be a Dyron Blanco in Kansas city. Just a guy I'd throw in one of those small, keep them honest bids, throw a couple of dollars down. If, if you're bidding on Noel V Marte this weekend, for example, and you're worried you're going to lose that on him because your league mates listen to this podcast, just throw Blanco on your list just as a backup. Yeah, always like having somebody who is on a team, who one who can run the, on their own, obviously, but if they're yeah. on a team who is willing to run, and shocking revelation, the Kansas City Royals like to run. This is not something that has been new over the course of the last few years. Absolutely not. But they have led the league this year in a spot second base. So this is stolen base opportunities taken towards second base at a 14.8% clip. Major League roster is 10%. They're well above average. They are at the top of the league, right above Tampa Bay and Cincinnati, as we talked about. Nueva Marte just before this. So again, these percentages change year to year, but Kansas City is consistently in the top five for the last, at least the last three or four years. Blanca's yeah. got some wheels too. He's second in the league right now behind Ellie De La Cruz in sprint speeds. He's definitely got that speed if you're looking for stolen bases. Yeah. Obviously sprint speed has been the the, the driving factor of whether or not a guy's going to run. Simple as that. Yeah. It's if they're fast, especially <laughs> the research that I did that Kyle Bland helped me with in the off season. The number one variable that you look at, and of course, you're looking at the catcher pop time. You're looking at the yeah. how well a, a pitcher can hold the runner on base. The thing that drives whether or not a runner is going to run or not is driven by how fast they actually are. So their ability to actually get to the next base as quickly as possible. Yeah. So that if you can't do it, bad. why not do it? Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, let's get into some guys that might have a good opportunity ahead of themselves, whether they're facing the corrected handed pitcher that they want, or they have a lot of games ahead of them, whatever that case may be. I will get into some of these teams that do have a lot of games next week. Half the league actually has a full seven day work week. I'll list all of them off so you can check them off at home. Baltimore, Boston, the New York Yankees, Tampa Bay, Toronto, the White Sox, Texas, Miami, the Mets, Washington, Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, Arizona, Colorado, and San Francisco all have games all seven days. Now, Philadelphia and Atlanta also have seven games because they have a doubleheader on Monday, but they are off on Thursday. It's still nice to see that doubleheader. I think that fact will come up later on in the pod as well. There, What's nice about this week is there are no teams that have the two-off day work weeks. Nobody is off Monday and Thursday. The other half of the league is either off Monday or Thursday. So that's nice to nice. You don't have to worry about that as much, especially if you're setting those bi-weekly lineups like you do in the NFBC. With all that in mind, my quick note here is I went back and forth whether or not I was going to put Brett Beatty in the power category and Nick Prado here or vice versa. I ended up obviously talking about Prado in the power category. So I will mentioned Brett Beatty is playing pretty much every day. And even if we are concerned about him being in a platoon, the Mets are scheduled to face off against seven. They have seven game work week. They have seven right-handed starters versus Arizona and Cincinnati all week long. And so even if they give him a day off, it'll just be like a quote day of rest. It will not be because of that. He is 49% rostered in the main event. So over half of those leagues and those 15 teamers, he is still readily available. He was just called back up alongside Mark Vientos, who has been filling in mostly at the DH position, has had a, a day or two at third base as well. But and obviously they have other guys that are filling in across the diamond. But Beatty has pretty much been the staple at third base since his recall. And I would expect that to, to be the case. Third base, not the easiest position to fill especially yeah. at this stage in the game in, in the deeper rosters. And I know he's had his hiccups in the past. Most of the hiccups that I attributed, it was one lack of playing time and lack of consistency. This is the Mets after all uh, it's still the Mets, but I think we're at a stage where the Mets really just need to see w- what they can have with Beatty and a lot of their other younger guys. And the fact that they're not going to have the excuse or at least not on paper of sitting him just because there's a lefty coming up this week. Take advantage of the volume that Brett Beatty is looks, looking like he could have this coming week. Any of these other, whether it's the schedule or who they have coming up as their opponents, have your eye for uh, anybody that has a good opportunity this week, Justin. Yeah, so the player that caught my eye when I was looking at it the week ahead was Patrick Wisdom. Cubs get Colorado and Arizona on the road and we know that Coors Field is always a recipe for, for home runs, especially with a power hitter like Patrick Wisdom. They're only going to face four righties in those six games, but the two lefties that they draw are Kyle Freeland and Ty Black, both in Coors Field, of course. They're going to dodge Zach Gallon when they're in Arizona. And as you mentioned, both Colorado and Arizona do play seven days this week. So... You could get some bullpens that are maybe a little bit taxed, a little bit gassed, and running on fumes. Neither of those teams, Arizona is a little bit better now that they have Paul Sewell, but neither of those teams has the league's best bullpen. So 
I think there's some big opportunity for Patrick Wisdom to score some home runs this week. Yeah, you got to take advantage of that Colorado series, if nothing else. Yeah, I think it's been talked about enough. Colorado isn't technically the best ballpark for home runs, but it is the best for almost everything else offensively, just because that yeah. outfield is so big and obviously the ball carries both faster and longer through the air. So got to take advantage of those situations. And regardless of Nick talks about Nick Pollock, of course, talks about how those Colorado pitchers aren't actually that bad on the road, yeah. that Rocky road. They're actually not that bad, but they're not great either. And so put, keep them in Colorado and you see what we, you, you see what we get. All right. That's enough hitters. I think at the moment, let's talk about some pitchers that we're going to be streaming throughout the course of the week or the rest of the season. Um, of course, we'll start with our counting categories here, Justin, with wins and K's. Uh, I'm going to let you lead us off here. Again, we only are focusing on these categories. We'll get to ratios later. So I always say if we talk about somebody and they kill your ratios, sorry, that's not why we talked about them here. <laughs> <laughs> who might be, who might vulture a win for you this week and maybe down the line as well while throwing in some case for good measure. Yeah. I, I appreciate the disclaimer because I was looking at this and uh, this, I don't know about you, but this to me looks like a tough week to be streaming. I'm glad I'm not in the playoffs. First name I had was Brian Pepio. If you're looking for wins, like you said, the ratios, who knows? He had a great last start, but he's been up and down. But if you're looking for wins, the Dodgers are a good team to put your money on. He gets San Diego this week and then also gets Detroit next week. And this time of year with Fab being so crucial as to how you spend it and who you spend it on, I always love when I can get a pitcher for a two-step. It's always good to look one matchup ahead if you're on the fence about a starter who are they playing next week? That can sometimes be a tiebreaker. And then for strikeouts, I had uh, Gavin Williams in Cleveland. He's playing San Francisco this week. They don't have the greatest offense. They've got a couple guys that do like to uh, swing. So Gavin Williams, I think maybe he doesn't get the win against San Francisco, but he can certainly rack up strikeouts. He's proven that in the majors. Yeah, the two starts are always going to be the most tempting, no matter, honestly, Almost no matter, except at this, you're at this stage of this of the season where it's like you've either already determined that you're going to tank your ratios and hope, just cross your fingers that maybe somebody in the 11th spot or the 14th spot can come back down to you as well. Maybe they're also tanking it, and then you can be lucky and gain a point or two because they came down to you, not because you went up to them. Yeah. We always say that these ratio categories can go in both directions; they're the only categories you can go up or down based on your production. So, of course, I've got to at least throw in one two-starter myself as well. Uh, Jose Quintana, not available in your 15-teamers, but still available in over 40% of your online championships, your 12-teamers. He's got two-step at home, which is nice because he is facing off against Cincinnati. So if he doesn't have to go to Cincinnati, he just brings them in. To, and they obviously have something to face off against. He'll, be, he'll get them on, on the back end of the week. But he starts off with Arizona in New York. As you mentioned, not the scariest of teams. Of course, we just talked about how they called up Jordan Lawler and Corbin Carroll is going to win Rookie of the Year. Not a team that offensively is uh, a team that I'm entirely, I'm not scared to stream against for sure. And Quintana has been, especially my 12-teamers will be somebody. I grabbed Quintana in one league last week, seeing that this was going to happen next week. So it's like one of those things you have to get ahead of it. That's why he is rostered in almost 60% of the online championships. 
most of the time these, these teams are going getting these guys a week or a week and a half early just so they can skip the fab bids especially with not having a lot of fab on the table to, to begin with so Jose Quintana, if he's available, he's not the flashiest name, but he's been producing. He goes deep into games. So this is not a guy who should, knock on wood, hurt your ratios, but at the same time should be able to volume his way into at least one win out of these two starts, if not two, if the Mets continue to put something together. I always joke about how the Mets probably want to keep their draft pick, which is protected if it's, I think it's like in the top seven or something like that. So they may be tanking their way to that protection they still have the ability to win baseball games they're still professional team at this moment and so he can still do his part to allow them to collect some wins and then the other guy that isn't a two starter but we're throwing out there just because of the matchup he's not somebody i'm itching to grab because he just has not been producing minus i think one star is bailey falter in pittsburgh it's one of those things where it's like all right he got out of philadelphia he's getting the opportunity in pittsburgh great Oh, he's actually not that good. It doesn't matter where he is per se, but the fact that he is stretched out, he can definitely pitch himself into a winning situation against the Nationals. Has me at least interested if that is the specific category in which I need to go after. 40% rostered in the main event, so even in 15 teamers, still readily available. And just Due to the state of where we're at in the season, I venture to guess he will be on most of those fab results boards, even in those 15 teamers, based on this singular matchup that he sees. And he very well may end up with a two-starter the following week as well. So this is just one of those, if you want to get a guy a week ahead of time, he, this might not be the situation in which you drop, you, you keep him on your bench for the one start week, just because that matchup is nice. So again, this is the guy that you're like, I am taking taking ratios. Got to get a guy who can put himself into a win. Bailey Falter in Pittsburgh at least has to be on that radar. All right, let's get into the ratios here. We, I would say that we talk about a lot about relievers in this situation. And that really depends on how many innings these guys are going to be able to put up. So these names that we're going to talk about, we've got a couple of relievers on here as well. Justin has one. I've got two. You want to make sure you check their usage this weekend, both on Saturday if they haven't played yet for us and as we're recording this. And then Sunday, obviously, games haven't started yet. If these guys pitch on Saturday and Sunday specifically, even on Sunday all by itself, it, it gives a little bit of a red flag because then you've already, you're behind the eight ball. They have less opportunity to pitch a lot of innings or at least multiple days throughout the course of the next week. But if they had the weekend off, they're primed to go on Monday and Tuesday and beyond. So Justin, lead us off here. Who's the guy you might be looking at that can chip away at your ratios pending that they can get the innings to make a dent? Yeah, so the guy I wanted to talk about was Pierce Johnson with Atlanta. He's traded to Atlanta at the deadline, of course, got freed from Coors Field. And since going to Atlanta, he's got a 212 ERA, a 1.0 whip, and 23 strikeouts in 17 innings. So he's definitely a guy that can put up some solid ratios. Like you said, he's there's going to be some issues with the volume. He's not going to be that two, three inning guy. But I do know that he did pitch on Thursday night. Like you said, if he's not pitching over the weekend, then he should be able to pick up some innings over the course of this week. Yeah, I think that volume is key. And uh, yeah, the doubleheader definitely does not hurt, as with the uh, one of the names I'm going to bring up later on as well. 
I got a couple of relievers that I'm going to throw out here. And these guys are all 0% rostered everywhere from what I can tell. As I alluded to earlier, I am going to talk about another Luis Garcia. This one is the reliever in San Diego. From what I can tell, the elder statesman of the Garcias, of the Luis Garcias out there in Major League Baseball at the moment. But Garcia, overall numbers don't look that great, but um, hasn't given up an earned run in 13 of his last 14 outings. And in that time, only four walks. Though he's got 15 hits through his 16 and two-thirds innings, so still a below one below one whip in just about every single one of those outings and not giving up any runs. Uh, San Diego seems to be utilizing him a lot more, and you want to run this streak throughout the course of the week in maybe even September. Again, I'm going to preface this. These are $1 bids. These are guys that are like, I am desperate to fill in my nine guys <laughs> in my rotation, um, and I don't want anybody to hurt me. These guys have less likelihood of actually doing harm And so at the very least, they are guys that if you're in a situation where you're trying to tread water, then maybe you're chipping away at a point or two in those ratios. Luis Garcia, San Diego is doing good things right now. Ride that wave. Go with it. Marcio Lavera in Boston, who was traded from San Francisco, is another guy in a very similar situation. Since being traded to the Red Sox from the Giants at the trade deadline. He has pitched in 20 and a third innings for Boston and given up just one home run. He struck out 19. He's given up nine earned runs in that time, but seven of them have come in the two appearances at the start of August. So within the first five appearances that he made for the Red Sox, he pretty much got all of those earned runs out of the way. So that's nice going into September. And But since those two appearances, the Red Sox have used him in various ways throughout the bullpen. Most of his spots have come with more than one inning attack, including the most recent outing on this past Wednesday, where he's through three innings. He allowed just one hit and one walk. So that volume obviously plays a big role into how much of an impact those ratios can can he can they can make. And I'm double checking since I have the box score for the Orioles and Red Sox up right now. If he pitched today, he did. He went. It, this is really going to hurt my 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 argument here for Lavero, and of course he went an inning. He lit up three earned runs with a home run, did strike out one. So, blip on the radar. Pitched on Saturday, not great. Still, somebody I would if I'm in that situation, I might consider throwing at the very bottom of my waterfall bid and not be terribly like disappointed that I'm forced to put him into my lineup. Yeah, that was real time disappointment. You just heard. Yep. Uh, I'm not going to edit that out. <laughs> like you said he got uh, them out of the way though you won't get yeah, those when you pick them up you don't get those runs yeah exactly yep. exactly yeah and it is somebody that the red sox he i don't believe he's actually gotten one yet but this is a guy that the red sox use in the middle of games or in in the he's not a high leverage guy so he could get into a situation where he's vulturing a win if he comes in, in a tie game or whatnot not why I'm picking him up here, obviously, but somebody just a name to watch in case you need to tread some water in those categories moving forward. All right. Last pitching category here, Justin, we got our saves category and I'm going to throw out Jose Alvarado to start here. This was, as I mentioned, it's, you want to target these double headers, Jose Alvarado, pretty much at least as of recent sharing the closer role with uh, Craig Krimble. He's got the one save a few days ago after Kimbrell did. 
And so this seems like an obvious dart throw. He's not hurting you in any other categories as well. Only 11% roster in the main event. He's readily available out there. He hasn't really gotten into a game since, <laughs> but neither is Kimbrell, to, to be fair. And so it, the fact that he is still possibly sharing closing duties on a very winning ball club at the moment. Mm-hmm. They have a double header. Granted, it's against Atlanta on the chance that Philly wins both of those games. Then they need to close out both of them. Kimbrell's not closing out both of them. Alvaro is not closing out both of them. So we'll see based on the situation, whether they go lefty heavy, righty heavy, depending on matchups. That's obviously a play. But Alvarado had that role before he got injured earlier in the season. And obviously, Kimbrell ran with it ever since. And I don't really necessarily believe that Kimbrell's out of that role at, at the moment. But the fact that Alvarado is the obvious man up slash um, has gotten a save as of recent um, seems to be the low-hanging fruit in this category, personally. So I wanted to make sure I threw him on this sheet before you had a chance to, so I could uh, take that low-hanging fruit. Sorry. <laughs> oh, totally fine. Anybody else behind, besides the what I consider to be the low-hanging fruit, especially since Alvarado is so readily available everywhere at 11% rostered in the main event, these 15 teamers, anybody else that we should be keeping our eye on if they're available for us? Yeah, I'm happy to let you take Alvarado because it gives me a chance to talk about my guy here, Matt Brash. With Felix Bautista on the IL right now, Matt Brash might be the best strikeout thrower amongst all relievers in all of baseball right now. He's got 96 strikeouts in 61 innings. And obviously we're talking about saves here, but I've heard a rumor that teams tend to like closers that miss bats. Andres Munoz, he has been struggling with the job since taking over his closer in Seattle uh, with Paul Seawald now in Arizona, of course. And the Mariners are totally eyeing that AL West crown. As we get down to the stretch here, they do not want to fall out of the playoffs. If Andre Munoz continues to struggle like he did just the other day, Matt Brash could at least start vulturing more saves, if not take the role outright. So I think it's very similar to what you were saying about Alvarado, that we could be looking at a similar co-closer type situation in Seattle here. Yeah, we talk about, I've talked about it all season long because ever since we had Grant Washburn on the show early on in the season, he talked about how arbitration plays a role in who gets saves and who doesn't get saves. I do tend to believe that Andres Munoz has more of a leash than I think we might want him to because of how good Brash has been. Just because Munoz is under contract, doesn't matter how many saves he gets, it's not going to affect how much they pay him. That's already set where obviously Brash, I don't even know if he's eligible for arbitration yet, but he'll be eligible at some point, and those saves pay top dollar in those situations. So I do I, I do worry about that situation because as every player will say, especially at the trade deadline, this is a business, and yeah. they understand that. And so I do worry about it. Can't take anything away from his production, Matt Brash, that yeah. is. Obviously, that speaks for itself, and he's not going to hurt you. And as long as he keeps the ball in the strike zone, as you mentioned, and misses those bats and doesn't go back to walking every other batter that we saw when he first came up. So it'd be somebody that I would be very interested in rostering. I do, especially long term, I worry about how many saves he'll actually get beyond after, you know, Moose's pitch back to back games or something like that. And we talked about that last episode. That might be more valuable than granting than grabbing somebody like Trevor May or, yeah. or 
Carlos Hernandez if they're available in your shallower leagues, just because they might get Matt Brash might get just as many opportunities from that situation <laughs> as the set closer does on a really bad team that doesn't give them the opportunities to to get saves themselves. So depending on the situation of your league, that it still makes sense regardless of whether or not they are the guy or not the guy. Yep. And the nice thing with Brash is it's, even if he doesn't get you saves, like I said, he's getting you a big pile of strikeouts and the ratios have been pretty nice since the first half. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. All right, we'll move on to the final category, my favorite category. And I got a guy on here. My, I don't. I usually leave this category off myself. Um, I just like listening to what everybody else has to say. Um, but I'll let you end the podcast with your guy here. So I'm going to throw out uh, Josh Young. Is he? He very well may be joining, rejoining the Texas Rangers next weekend um, in Cleveland. If all goes well with the remaining rehab situation that he has going on. And so, again, we talked about, I talked about third base earlier being so difficult. This, and Kevin talks about this is we're beyond stashing season. But if we're at a point where we get somebody like Josh Young, who is all but certain to be back next week, even if it's next weekend, I'll stash him for this, for at least the first half of the week, if not the entire week, and then start him the following week. Because once he does come back, you're not going to be able to, it'll cost you a lot more. And yeah. it's still probably going to cost you. People are aware that he's coming back. So they're still going to be worth spending whatever fab dollars you have. Because I would expect he's going to slot right back into the lineup where he was in Texas. They need that kind of production that he can produce in that lineup as they fight for that division against Houston and against Seattle. And then if not holding on to their hold onto the wild card spot, regardless Josh Young, 0% rostered in the main event. He did not come up in my control F. So unless I did that wrong, he should be available pretty much everywhere and available to be bid on. It's not like this is a prospect coming up where they have to make their debut first in that format. So Josh Young of Texas should be available in your league. He should be coming back and he could, even in your playoff, in your head-to-head playoffs, if this is a, a, a single year, not a dynasty, he very well might be available and he can make a big impact on your team in the semifinals or the finals, depending on how your playoffs are structured. Check to see if Josh Young is available. And just off here on a high note, Justin, in your wild card again, I always talk about this guy may not fit into any other category that we talked about earlier. Maybe a stash, could be an IL guy, could be a prospect you think could be coming up. Who might you be eyeing if you have some kind of flexibility in your roster to make this kind of a wild card type pickup yep so i picked an aisle stash as well actually kyle wright with atlanta so this is pure conjecture here i should point out that i've not seen any tweets yet that back this up in any way but based on the timing of his rehab schedule which i was just looking at he should be making a start tomorrow and he could potentially get the ball on friday which would be against miami on the road which is a really good situation if you're looking for wins and some strikeouts and maybe even some decent ratios, at least ratios that won't kill you in a playoff race. Yes, he'd be a still ill. He's been out for a while. But when you're playing for the best team in baseball, you know, Atlanta has 92 wins right now. That's generally a good, good methodology for a pickup. Great way to get wins this late in the season when... Everyone seems to need wins right now in the playoffs. Yeah, that still ill fits in some formats, and it's not an option in other formats. Yeah. Like, sometimes you 
do not have the flexibility to bench a guy that is starting. Simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to roll the dice. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do a editorial comment to my last comment. Josh Young, I did apparently do the control F wrong. Josh Young, 26% rostered in the main event, 39% rostered in your online championship. So this is one of those rare situations in which you see somebody rostered in more 12-teamers than you do 15-teamers, at least when you're comparing these two specific formats. But still, those are very low percentages in general. He's still readily available. Kyle Wright. Yeah, it's a good one. Kyle Wright, 25% rostered in the online championship. And if I go over to the main event, you should come right up. 68% rostered in the main event. Again, also readily available in a good chunk of leagues at those in the little bit deeper of a format. So if you have the flexibility to stash an IL guy this late in the season, both these guys should be on your radar. Well, that is going to wrap it up for episode 131 of On The Wire. Justin, thank you so much for joining me here this week. Give everybody an opportunity to or remind everybody where they can find you, what kind of work you have coming up, and the best way to find said work. Yeah, thank you for having me. You can find me on Twitter at HavelockJustin. You can also find the podcast at The Outpitch Pod. And don't forget to check out the Outpitch on Substack and make sure you check out PitcherList and come hang out with us in the Discord because if you're around there, you'll definitely see me around, whether it's on the site or in the Discord. I'm always hanging out somewhere. Yeah, of course, you get access to that by joining PL Plus or PL Pro. PL Plus gets you into the Discord, gets you the ad-free website and all that. PL Pro gets you a whole bunch of other stuff and a whole bunch of stuff we're both not allowed to talk about and don't even know ourselves um, because Nick keeps a lot of this stuff uh, close to the vest until it's ready to go. we got PLX coming out um, next season, right before the the regular season starts up. Um, Of course he takes the tech route and says, there's no such thing as nine. So we had PL eight last year. We're skipping nine, going right to PLX. It's not even 10. It's PLX. Got to stick with that format, but a lot of fun stuff and really cool stuff coming out. And if you get the yearly subscription, you'll get all that. You get the free QB list stuff that is included in your PL Plus and PL Pro subscriptions as well. And so, yeah, the Discord alone pays for it. Simple as that. But all the cool tools, obviously, all the PLV tools, the apps that you get with that stuff as well is more than pays for that as well. I believe the podcast code is still active. If you want to, you can use promo code podcast all capital letters i don't even remember what the percentage is off but it'll be a discount so use that just use it if you find a if you find a discount code you should always use it i don't care where you are on the web just use it and get whatever discount you can possibly get but that is going to wrap it up for episode 131 of on the wire you can follow myself on the twitter at 80 great that's all spelled out kevin is at hasting kevin of course follow the pod itself at on the wire pod to once again thank our guest Justin Havlock for joining us this week. Follow him at Havlock Justin. And after all that, I am Adam Howe. On behalf of Kevin Hastings, thanks for listening. We bid you goodbye.